Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the annual plan and also to download a training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance, fines, and more. Today, I am reviewing a report on how occupational fraud has changed in the last 10 years, like what the trends are, um, which could mean some changes in your current vendor uh, ad change onboarding process. And I have one specifically that I'll talk about at the end to combat one of the most surprising changes uh, that was seen in occupational fraud in the last 10 years. So keep listening. Welcome to episode 193. Occupational fraud has changed from 2012 to 2022 and an internal control that can help with one key change. I do have some of the longest titles, don't I? The Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, or ACFE, publishes an annual report on internal or occupational fraud. And it's very user-friendly. I talked about it last week in episode 192. They summarize like key report findings and they do it in the form of infographics. So you can get the full report or you can scroll all the way down and you can get, I think they also have charts. So you can get charts, but then you can also get infographics. And last week I talked about the infographic that they had on the behavioral red flags of occupational fraud, but they also have others such as how do perpetrators conceal their fraud. And so there's another one that I thought would be really good today, again, to just kind of continue the occupational fraud or behavioral fraud theme from last week. And I thought it was very interesting. And actually, I always consider myself a very detailed person, but you know, you get distracted. And I thought I had, uh, saw or seen each of the infographics and kind of read through them which ones they were. And that's how I picked the one that I used last week. But I did not see until after I did the podcast that there was one on a decade of occupational fraud trends from 2012 to 2022. And I thought that this might be very interesting because if you have processes in place, internal controls in place that are specifically for 
internal or occupational fraud or to prevent them, it might be a great time to take a look at those uh, internal controls and best practices to see if they need to be updated. And I know at least one, I have a suggestion for you to update it. So let's go ahead and get started. Now, again, this is from the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners or ACFE, and they do publish that report every Every year on, uh, it's called the Report to the Nations. And if you search it or Google it for 2022, actually you can search or Google it for any year and it'll come up. But if you want to look at what I'm looking at and then possibly review other infographics or maybe even the full report, just Google it and put 2022. So Report to the Nations 2022, it'll pop up and then you can get the full report or scroll all the way down to the bottom so you can look at the separate infographics. So So today, again, I am talking about the occupational fraud, the trends. So it's actually a two page infographic. So I'm just going to start on page one and go from there. The first thing that they show you is that the frauds are being caught faster and causing smaller losses. That's actually really good news to start with. So the median losses are down 16% and then the medium duration is down 33%. So it started off at losses of 140,000 in 2012. And in 2022, they're down to 117,000. And then the duration started at 18 months before being caught. And now that's down to 12 months. So that is great news. The next thing it says is that fewer organizations are pursuing criminal prosecution, but more are taking civil action against the perpetrator. So I don't know of any in the U.S., but in the U.K., I know of three instances with two companies where they sued their employees after a fraudulent payment was being made. I kind of talk about those all the time, especially if you've been to any of my webinars, but I wasn't aware that any are being or that any employees were sued, say, civil action in the U.S. So that's kind of new. But I will now search for that to see if I can find some instances of it and then hopefully bring those to the podcast as well. So in 2012, 65% were pursuing criminal action. And in 2022, that's down to 58%. But then the civil action in 2012 was 23%. Now that has increased in 2022 to 29%. So more on civil action, less on criminal action as far as employers or companies taking action against the perpetrator. All right. So the next uh, trend that they looked at is the whole men versus women dynamic. And what they found between 2012 and 2022 is that men are perpetrating an increasing percentage of fraud, but the gap in losses has narrowed. So from 2012, men had 65% or perpetrated 65% of the fraud that increased to 73% in 2022. And then women were perpetrating fraud 35% of the time. And then that decreased in 2022 to 27%. So it went from 35% to 27%. But 
What they did find is that the losses between male perpetrators and female perpetrators decreased. That the loss amounts really narrowed. So it went from 200,000 for men down to 125,000 in 2022. So 2012 was 200, 2022 was 125. Wow, that's a uh, a big loss. But then on the women's side, it went up. So in 2012, it was $91,000. And then in 2022, it was $100,000. So now you have just $25,000 between the two as far as losses in 2022, when that used to be over $100,000 uh, difference between what male perpetrators got away with and what female perpetrators got away with. And if you haven't listened to episode 192, which was last week's, I did have an example of a documentary called All the Queen's Horses. And it started off on Netflix in 2017, but now it's on YouTube. There is a free link. And then there is also a paid link. And that's in the show notes of that episode, but you can watch that. And that is like that defy this whole infographic, you know, section because it was a woman and it was in the millions. Of course, you'll have those anomalies and this is definitely one of them. But if you're interested in that, check the show notes of the uh, podcast episode 192 from last week, and then you can click straight through. All right. The next area that they're looking at, and we're on page two now, is that more perpetrators are in roles with higher levels of authority. So in 2012, only 56% were managers, executives, or owners. And as of 2022, they found that that percentage has increased to 62%. So fraud with your C-suite, with your higher levels, have increased from 2012 to 2022. All right. So there are three more that they include on this or the ACFE includes on this uh, infographic. And the next one is the percentage of cases involving corruption is on the rise. So it was 33% in 2012 and 50% now in 2022. Now, just to explain that one a little bit more, I did go to the PDF version of the report for 2022, the report to the nations, and what they define as uh, corruption includes offenses such as bribery, conflicts of interest, and extortion. All right, so this next one, the second from the last, is the one that I talked about or that I was talking about when I mentioned that I had an additional best practice or really it's an internal control that you can implement to combat this change. And that is fraudsters are collaborating more. So in 2012, 58% of the investigated cases involved one perpetrator. But in 2022, that went significantly down to uh, 42%. Now, two plus perpetrators in 2012 was 42%. And now in 2022, it is 58%. So what does that mean in your vendor process? 
And let's take the example of changing a vendor's bank details because we're all on very high alert to make sure that the vendor's uh, banking information actually comes from the vendor and not from a fraudster pretending to be your vendor or pretending to be your boss that wants this information updated, changing where their payment goes to. And so we're all kind of on high alert for that. You probably have that confirmation phone call and some other internal controls that I talk about and implement with I work when I work with clients and maybe you have some others as well but do you really think about the uh, internal control or occupational fraud uh, opportunities in that process. So let's say you've got vendor bank details that needs to be changed. Uh, maybe they're changing some other things as well. Uh, and so that needs to be, or all that information needs to be updated on the vendor record. And then you're making that phone call. So now you've got an internal team member that is assigned to make that phone call. So you have a team member that has received the request, updated the banking information, or perhaps they're waiting for the separate team member to make that confirmation call. Then they're updating the banking information. And then that payment, when it, the invoices are pulled in the pay file, they'll be sent off to what you hope is the vendor. So what could happen is that those two team members can collaborate and update the vendor's banking with their own banking or some other shared account and then kind of fake that whole confirmation process. So the vendor's banking is updated and as far as you know, it is valid because, right, the confirmation process was done and the entry was done as well. And so here's a, a actually a couple of steps, but um, one of the steps brings in a different person, a third person. So now they would now have to get that other person involved and right. The more people you get involved, the less they are, or you try to get involved, the less risk that they will participate. And then it's also a bigger risk that the fraud will be revealed. And so I do recommend that you bring a third person into this process. And I do work with some clients that are already doing this. So let's say you have a vendor banking update that needs to be made. And so you get the, you've got one team member that gets the request in. That request is now going to be sent to team member number two so they can do the confirmation back to the vendor to verify that they did submit the request. So that's the external fraud control. And then once that piece is done, then that information is going to be given to a third team member. So team member number three, and the third team member is actually going to enter the banking. Now this might seem a little weird. However, keep in mind that sometimes with these bank changes, there are other changes on the vendor's record as well. And so that team member number one is making all the other changes except banking. And that way you can reduce the access to banking to that team member number one and only let them view it, right? Only let them view 
display view only of the vendor banking. I'll tell you why you need that because another control that you can put in place, now you've got three team members each doing different things. So you've got a different team member for editing non-banking fields on the vendor record. You have a separate team member to make that confirmation call of the banking that was received. And then you have a third team member that once that confirmation is completed, they will now come in and update the banking on the vendor's record. Now for team member number one, you want to make sure they don't have access to edit the banking, but they do need to see the banking. And that is because you can do just a quality check of what was entered. When team member three enters the banking, that's going to now come back into team member number one's queue, so to say, right? That's back in his lap or her lap. And then they will verify that the banking was entered based on what was submitted. Again, a quality check and then also another internal control check for occupational fraud as well. And so now you've got an additional check on the entry of the banking and an additional roadblock or internal control for occupational fraud. And I know this said two plus perpetrators in the infographic, meaning it could be three, but if you are currently only using one or two team members in the banking update process, this can help because we know that internal controls are fine. It's not going to stop everything, but what you want to do is make sure that it is harder and adding in that third person makes the collaboration harder. And that will combat this increasing trend that fraudsters are collaborating more. Now, if you've got something that you guys are doing and you think that it will help, definitely, you know, send me an email. My email address is always in the show notes or comment on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on because I would really like to share valuable information and any of the creative ways that you guys have come up with to combat occupational fraud. Fraudsters are always evolving and we should always be evolving as well. And we can do that by sharing what we have come up with to help to mitigate fraud risk, either occupational fraud or external fraud. All right. So I know some of you may be looking at me through your device that you're listening to the podcast on and giving me that crazy look. Keep in mind, though, there are vendor teams that are already doing this process. So it is not as uncommon as you think. And if you are one of the ones that are doing it, great. You are ahead of the curve on this one because they are collaborating more. All right. So the last thing on here is very positive. So they started the infographic with something on the positive, meaning that the uh, median losses were down 16% and the median duration of a fraud was down 33%. And so they're ending it the same way. And the last thing is the implementation rates for 17 of the 18 analyzed anti-fraud controls have increased between 2012 and 2022. And These five have increased the most. The top one with an increase of 16% was a hotline, right? So that hotline, so that 
employees can anonymously report internal occupational fraud. The next one was 14%, and that was fraud training for employees. So 14% more of companies are training their employees on fraud or providing that fraud training. So that is really good. So the next one was the anti-fraud policy. 13% more uh, companies now have one. And this is really good too, because in 2012, it was 47%, which was less than half. But in 2022, it is 60% which is more than half. So that is really good. Two more. The next one is fraud training for managers and executives increased by 12%. And yes, we need it on the, at the operations and at the user level, but you're never going to get that training approved because it's always at a cost, right? You're never going to get that training approved if the management and executive level don't understand that the team needs to be trained. And so if you train them, they'll understand. And now you can get additional training and maybe even some tools for your team to prevent uh, both external and occupational fraud. So that was really good. And then the last one, it was 11% increase between 2012 and 2022. And that is the formal fraud risk assessments. And so that is great news. It's still at 46% though. So it's less than half. So maybe in the next 10 years, that will increase to above 50% as well. All right. So I hope you found that helpful uh, looking at the trends in occupational fraud from 2012 to 2022, maybe gave you some things to think about, some things that you know you need to go back and take a look at. Hopefully this provided at least enough information for you to take a deeper dive on some of the gaps that you know you may have as a result of these new trends. And again, I will leave in the show notes the links to or the link to the ACFE report to the nations for 2022. And you can take a look at your uh, at the infographics yourself and then also maybe even download the report. It's a PDF and it's an immediate download. It opens up for me, it opens up in my web browser, but that could be because I have it set that way. And you don't have to put in your email address to get it either. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 193rd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.